For someone whose entire career has been focused on joy, why a podcast on pain? Because these stories need to be told. A good phoenix rising out of the ashes story reminds us all that not only can we survive, we can thrive. And when we emerge, we're different. That's the alchemy of pain. Welcome to another edition of The Alchemy of Pain, where we interview people who have been through the valley of the shadow of, and in this case, it really was death. My guest mm -hmm. today is someone that I met through an online coaching program, a consortium of speakers that I am privileged to be a part of. And as soon as I saw her face on the Zoom screen, I said, Ooh, she's interesting. She has a certain charisma and presence that I want to get to know better. And then as this podcast launched, there was a post she put on social media and I said, ooh, there's a story there that needs to be told. Please join me in welcoming Mubo Ojo, who is a Remind Coach. What is a Remind Coach, Mubo? Thank you. I, you know, first, I just want to say thank you, Brenda. Thank you for having me. Such an honor. Such a, I share the same feeling the first time that I saw you, even though it was virtual. There was just something so cool and so calm about your spirit. I, I, I gravitated towards you immediately. So thank you for having me. Right okay, so a remind no, And coach. there was no memo about what to wear today. And yet we're both. I, in I know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we're simpatico. Simpatico. But I, I feel like everybody should need a remind coach, but I want to know more about what that is. Yes. So a remind coach. And, um, you know, I decided to call myself a remind coach because I had to work that out in my life. I had to reprogram, rewire my mind based on where I found myself at a certain place in my life. I needed a reminder, you know, to remind me of the power that I carried and that I wasn't defined by the pain, by the situations, by the circumstances that I found myself in because I began to define myself through the eyes of the pain that I went through. So, um, you know, and I didn't, I, it wasn't in the middle of what I went through that I said, okay, you know, remind coach. It was after when I'd crossed, walked through that valley. It was after and coming out as a victor. It was at that point that I sat back in retrospect and I'm like, what did you do? I, I had to do a remind. You know, I had to totally, completely lose a mind in order to gain another one. And I always, <laughs> and I always like to use that analogy in the Bible that says that, can you put new wine in an old skin? And the response was no. And it's like, why? Because when you put a potent new wine into a new, into a new wine into old skin, what's gonna happen to the old skin? It's gonna bust because of the intensity of the new wine, the newness of the wine, the potency of the wine, it, it will be too strong for this old skin. And so what was, what I was becoming and I'm still becoming, the old mind couldn't take it. So I kind of, you know what? 
it's a remind. It's losing an old mind in order to gain another one. So it's a remind. And it's and it's R-E-I-Thin mind. Like, you know. <laughs> so that's that that's how that's how remind was um, you know, was birthed. And you use the word identity. Mm-hmm. And it seems like you had to dislodge from identifying yourself with the pain in order mm-hmm. to create this new identity. Yes. How did yeah. you do that? Well, um, so I went through, you know, uh, end stage kidney failure. Okay. And that's uh, I mean, the you know, pain, that's the yes. pain that changed you forever. Yes. Yes. That's end it. Stage kidney failure. Yes. So, um, I mean, I was just coming out of a divorce, you know, with two little kids, you know, I have two little daughters, but they're now grown women. <laughs> so, um, you know, divorce happened. Didn't foresee that. Didn't see that coming, but that happened. And then about six months down the road, you know, my doctor calls me. It, it was a New Year's Eve. You know, we were on our way to church, all dressed up, ready to go to church. And my doctor calls me and, and the, her voice, there was this terror in her voice. She was like, you got to drop everything now and go to the emergency room. Your kidneys have failed. You know, at first I was like, I, I, I couldn't wrap it around my brain. And then when I allowed it to sink in, and it was all of this happened in a moment. I allowed, I got the phone call, was tried to um, wrap it around my brain, finally did all in a moment of time. The next thing I knew, my daughter, my eldest daughter went running. My other daughter, I have two girls, just held onto me and we both just cried, like had a good cry. The other daughter just ran off. I, 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 at that point, I, it was too confusing for me. I didn't even know what to do, you know? Can but, I just um, ask you, so end stage kidney failure, you would think, you know, you were on your way to church. You were all dressed up. You didn't know there was anything wrong with you. No, no, I, I, I it was, you know, I'm not one to, oh, let's, you know, because it's not in my culture to, you know, go to the doctors all the time and find out and make sure that you, it, it, we were just never brought up like that. And so it, it was me just saying, you know what? I've never really done a full blood work. Let me just go and do a full blood work. Take, take advantage of the life insurance and, you know, all of that. Um, and the, and the insurance, the medical insurance and all of that. And that was all I, I was, I wasn't expecting for someone to call me and tell me, oh, by the way, um, your results came back and your kidneys have failed. You need to drop everything now and go to the emergency room on a new year's Eve. Okay. I, (laughs) I mean, you can imagine that, uh, come again. Um, is it a round number, (laughs) but that situation, you know, changed my life forever. And um, for the, the next two years after that, I was in complete denial and I almost lost my life, you know, because the verdict was you have to be on dialysis. That's the only way out. And for me being a single mom, I just could not see that. I couldn't see how I was going to do dialysis, number one. Number two, I didn't have time in my life for it because I have two mouths that I have to feed. I had to work and um, there was just no, no space in my life. 
At least that's what my mind told me. And then I had a friend whose sister had died doing dialysis. So all of this information, my brain, you know, stuck to it. And um, this fixed mentality was the driving force for me. So for the next two years, I maybe it was denial. I, I don't even know. But for the next two years back then, it was dialysis was a no-no because dialysis was the monster. Dialysis was the enemy. And I wasn't going to do it because who was going to take care of my kids? I, 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 I'm like, who is going to take care of my kids? The father was, you know, the, the circumstances surrounding the divorce I don't think the other woman will allow him to even, I wouldn't want my kids to end up in the hands of the woman that, you know. But this is true denial because <laughs> you, if you didn't take care of yourself, you weren't going to be there to take care of your kids. Exactly. Yes. But I was, I, I didn't look at it that way. For me, the information that, you know, had registered in my subconscious was do not do dialysis because dialysis is the enemy. Remember what happened to your sister's friend? Remember that? And then how are you going to pay the bills when you have to do dialysis? And don't you know that you're going to be disabled for the rest of your, I mean, those were the. Wow. And I think this is so the negative narratives. Yes. Oh, that. negative narratives. That is a great way of phrasing it. And for our audience, yeah. you know, I think this is a really important, and thank you for your candor, Mubo. Life comes at us yes. and we don't have a script telling us how to respond, mm -hmm. but you've just underscored these negative narratives that won't let us let go of, mm -hmm. they hold on to us like sticky tape so that we can't embrace an answer. Yeah. So how did you eventually get to the point where you let go of that narrative and embraced a solution? Mm, it wasn't willingly, you know, um, because I still, for those two years, you know, I could feel my body um, degenerating. I felt, you know, the muscles slowly withering away. I felt all of the symptoms in my body. But because of that fixed mindset that I had, you know, I, I now I term it as, you know, the cut, you know, that core on the line thought, I, I just couldn't see past that. But you know what? One day on a Saturday morning at 7 a.m., you know, uh, a friend of mine who, you know, was a doctor back home came to my apartment and just knocked ferociously on the door. I'm like, 7 a.m. in the morning, who in the world, you know? And um, as I opened the door, it was like, you need to get ready right now. We're going to the emergency room. I'm like, uh, why? You know, still in denial, even though my body, I mean, I knew there was something wrong. I knew that because my body told me so, you know, but I just couldn't get past looking at my children and then, and the information that I didn't go after that dialysis will actually save your life, you know, but he, we, he, and he said to me, I'm not even going to drive you to the hospital. I'm going to call the ambulance because I just have a feeling because I've seen him the previous day and he had saw that I was limping and I looked frail, you know, doctors just have a way of telling, you know, anyway, we got to the 
emergency room and they were asked me, oh, what's going on? I said, well, there's nothing going on with me. I, I'm, I'm perfectly okay. But you know, my brother just insisted that we come and he was like, you know what? Um, I just wanted to run a blood test on her. So they ran the first blood test and the, you know, and the doctor came in and said, um, I think there must be some kind of human error in your, um, in the blood work. So I told them to run it again. I knew there wasn't no error in whatever they had seen, you know? So the second time when they ran, you know, the test, the doctor came in, he had this ghostly look on his face. He, he, he you know, I mean, that edged forever in my memory. He pulled his chair towards me and sat down and he said to me, you know what? I, I, I practiced medicine for 17 years. I've never seen anybody with your blood work. This blood work belongs to a cadaver. I don't know how you're talking. You're alive, basically. And he, and he said the forbidden word. We have to start dialysis immediately. And he said, we can't even start dialysis right now because you have more plasma in your body than blood. So we have to do a blood transfusion first. Again, how did I respond? Um, I, 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 I don't want to do dialysis. That was all I said. I, I, and then my, my friend said, I'm now speaking on her behalf. She's going to do the blood transfusion. She's going to do the dialysis. And he said something, said, do you still want to be around for your kids? The kids that you love so much and you've not been able to, you know, get past this mindset that dialysis was the enemy. And I said, yes. And the journey began. And the journey began. Your life was saved because of the intervention of someone who saw past the mindset. And you're a powerful person. So when you've made up your mind about something, I'm sure a lot of people back off. They're like, okay, you know, she knows what she's doing. Oh, yeah. About. But <laughs> do you mind if I digress and tell you a story too? Because the whole purpose of this podcast is to help people through a dark time mm. or to create an aha moment. And I will tell you this. I lost my partner because he didn't listen to his body. Mm. He had a mindset always. And he was a very spiritual person who mm. said, I don't believe in disease. I don't believe, you know, it, to the point where he was actually an energy healer himself. And he thought that, you know, just because everybody else in his family had died of heart disease, he mm. was the exception to the rule. So when he started to have stuff happen, and I would say, please go to the doctor. No, 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 mm. that's no, no, no. I would just change my diet or I'll just, you know, I, mm. I shouldn't eat spicy food or that, you know, he mm. came up with all of these yeah. reasons. But here's the point of this story. We were at a wedding and he was telling someone at our assigned table, some of his symptoms. And that person said, you need to go to a doctor right away. That is your heart. Mm. And my Mark, who was wonderful, mm. but stubborn, mm. did not listen. And when we did call the ambulance, it was too late. late. Mm. So this is the importance of dislodging from preconceived ideas that we may hold on to yes. strongly in yes. his mind he would not have heart issues therefore this could not be and he did not 
seek help. And then it was too mm-hmm. late. And now we're talking about him in the past tense. Yeah. I am so grateful, Mubo, that we are not talking about you in the past yes. tense. Yes, yes, yes. And so for anybody listening, if your body is saying something to you, be open to yes. listening to a different voice than the one mm-hmm. you have grasped onto tightly. Yes. And so your journey began, Mubo. What happened next? So the journey into dialysis began and, um, you know, doing the dialysis three times a week, it took nine hours of my life each week. But, you know, the first treatment was, you know, rough. But as I went along, you know, got into a center, saw so many people in there, you know, and um, we were like a you know little knit family because you know we were all going through the same thing, so um, it was um, kind of like bittersweet. Like, why should I be here? I don't deserve to be here. You know, I'm too young to go through this. But then again, I'll say to myself, if it's not you, would you wish it on somebody else? And um, And it was in that moment, in those cheers, in those days that I would sometimes speak to myself. And I said, you know what, just being able to wake up another day and, you know, be on this chair and get better because I was getting better. You know, I was no longer limping. I was no longer, you know, losing like a tremendous amount of weight. I was, I I actually was feeling better. I found out that, you know, I could talk to my employer and um, I could work I, actually during that time because it, I was so financially constrained that I had to work um, three odd jobs in order to, you know, so I was working the three odd jobs. I was also taking care of my kids and I enrolled in school because I had to get myself out of the financial mess that I was in. Yes. And I just, you know what, a girlfriend of mine, I spoke to her a couple of days ago and, you know, she's been a friend of mine since we were like in our twenties. And she said to me, finally, a couple of days ago, she said, Mubal, one of the things that I admire the most about you is just the way you went through that major, major, major challenge in your life. And you seem to just whisk through it and just, I never heard you complain one day. There was never a time that I got on the phone with you and I felt left that phone call feeling burdened. And she said, the, um, the, the level of resilience in your spirit is so remarkable. And I never thought about it that way. You know, all I knew was that I had these two little girls that I had to take care of. Mm. You know, we were in a financial situation where I had to get us out of that. You know, and so that for me, that was my compelling why, you know, I needed, I, I needed to set an intention for myself. I knew life had to change. I knew I had to make accommodations for the, you know, for my treatment so that I can get better, so that I can stay alive. And um, so for me, that began a journey of really just transforming my mind because I knew the battlefield was in my mind. And if I could conquer that battlefield in the mind, I knew that the sky was not going to be the limit. I mean, I look back in retrospect and I know for a fact that 
the greatest achievements in my life was that they were achieved during the time that I was going through dialysis, you know, because it was on that time that I registered in school. I earned my degree as a cybersecurity consultant. I have a minor in forensics and, um, you know, started a business. I mean, it was in that moment, you know, that life began to turn around, you know, and, um, Back then, I couldn't put a finger on the things that I did. But when I sit back and I look back now, I knew that, number one, I had to deal with the mindset that I had that got me stuck for those two years in the first place. I had to come to the root of that because it's the same mindset that would not allow me to you know, grow beyond where I was. It was that same mindset that said, oh, you know, because you're divorced, you must not be good enough. It was that same mindset that told me, oh, you know what, because you don't have a degree, you really can't do anything, you know. And so I, I had the low self-esteem syndrome. I had the lack of confidence syndrome. And um, it was during the journey of dialysis that I had to really confront those thoughts, those cuts, and confront them and then begin to address them. You know, I'm so glad that I'm able to say that during those moments, a, a, a woman was birthed that I never thought was there, but she was always there. But because of the narratives that I believed about myself, you know, it was that same narrative that I believed about myself that got me into a wrong marriage. It was that same narratives that, you know, told me that, you know what, you cannot be good for anything because that's what they said, you know, and I began to view myself based on that. You know, I, I looked, I mean, I'm a church girl, okay? And you know how people look at divorce in the church, okay? Like, oh, there must be something wrong with you. Or I define myself by that. So even when opportunities came my way, I told myself, well, well you're not a finisher. So forget about trying to aim high. I had to deal with that cut. I had to, because I knew that if I didn't confront those cuts, I was going to die doing dialysis because my mind initially already told me dialysis is the monster. I had the passion to leave so much because of my kids. So I said to myself, you know what? We have to do the work. We have to do the work to change and to rewire the brain based on the previous beliefs. It, it, was, it, was, it was a tough journey but I, I knew I didn't have a choice but to do that work. And I'm so glad that I did. Was it tough? Yes, it was. Was it tough to confront myself and say, you know what, you do have a low self-esteem and you have to face it. Was it tough to do that? Yes. You know, was it tough to really confront the limiting beliefs that, you know what, you saw the, 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 the red flags when you went into that marriage, but you still went into it because you were looking for a father figure and you were looking for somebody to take care of your needs. Was it tough to say that? Yes, it was. Was it tough for me to confront the fact that, oh, another woman came into my marriage and took my marriage away and did this and did that? Was it tough for me to say that, you know what? When you continue to point the finger at somebody else, understand that the thumb is you know, pointing right back at you, you know, so that we stop throwing the blame game and we really begin to accept and own our own. I had to confront that, you know? So, and once you're able to confront all of that, 
It was, it was freedom, utter freedom for me, utter freedom. So um, in a way, sometimes when I sit back, I'm like, you know what? Thank God for the pain. Thank God for the pain. I, I thank God for my process. I really do. I do. They say that, you know, you're healed when you can say thank you. Yes. Yes. I go in and out of that at times in full candor. And yet I know when you said a woman was birthed. Yeah. But she was always there. Yes. I think this unveiling of our true selves happens mm. through these times. That's why I always tell our audience, keep pressing against that chrysalis because you yes. are building strength in your wings to fly. So mm -hmm. the very thing you dreaded, a dialysis, mm -hmm. not only physically saved your life, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually yes. saved your life. Yes. yes. So you said you confronted the lies of unworthiness. Yes. How do you confront lies for our audience? How do you confront those painful lies? Because sometimes those invasive thoughts are far more painful than the physical pain of a physical ailment. Yeah. How do you confront them, Mubo? So first I had to recognize that they were there. You know, I had to recognize that, you know what, Mubo? It's there. You can't deny it. It's there. So I had to confront it first. I had to say to myself, you know what? You feel this way about yourself. And it's okay to look at it, acknowledge it, and know that it's there. So it's almost like becoming self-aware in moments of reflection. You know, when you're, you know, there's the same when you're tired of being tired, or maybe when you're ready, the teachers will appear. You know, for me. I was ready because there was always more inside. I knew there was more. I, I knew there was more. I felt it. It, it. My intuition told me that, you know what? You're, there's so much more about you because I can sit here and, um, you know, we can be in a room with full of women. And, um, and sometimes I say things that I don't even believe it's coming from me. So I'm like, and people have told me, wow, you know what, that stuff that you said, you know, the way you said it. And I'm like, oh, really? Okay. I was just saying something, you know, I, I, in those moments, I try to downplay myself because I didn't want to, you know, get this idea that there's something special about you, but there is something special about me. There is something special about everyone. You know, I am possible. Everybody's possible, but that was the woman that I was, but was suppressed by experiences. And so first I had to confront the lies, the lies that I'd grown accustomed to. I had to confront those lies. You know, sometimes I will say it out loud. You know, sometimes I'll look at myself in the mirror. You know, that's why sometimes I do that. I'll talk to myself. I'll look at myself in the mirror and I'll say to myself, you know what? Yes, this happened, but that's not who you are. And then I begin to tell myself, this is who you are. You know, um, faith comes by hearing and hearing, you know? So I had to speak it out loud to myself and hear myself repeat it to myself. So first I confronted the, the fact that 
there's an issue here, okay? Let's not deny it anymore. It's stopping you, you know, because when you believe what, the, as a man thinketh, so is he, you know? So I can't blame anyone for the outcome of what my thought produced, you know? You can't have more than you can see. So for me, I had to confront it because I wanted more. I knew there was more. So yeah, number one work, I had to confront it. Was that tough? Yes, it was. There were days that I didn't want to because confronting it means that now you have to do the work. You know, now and I have to do hard is, work. The work is what? The work is fighting it and saying, no, I will not accept that identity anymore. I will not accept that. That is a lie. Because the biggest fear when these invasive thoughts hit us is, well, what mm -hmm. if it's true? Mm. You see that that's that, you know, that's that fixed mindset that we have when we say, oh, what if it's true? And it's coming from the place of it's coming from our ego. You know, I really do believe that, you know, when you know that you're more and you're capable of more and your potential is more and you keep telling yourself, no, I can't. It's coming from the place of the ego, you know, the ego who's trying to edge that authentic self out because you know that once you become authentic, once you see the light, guess what? You're going to have to take responsibility for yourself. You, you're going to have to take responsibility in becoming. Becoming is not something that you sit back and like, okay, I'm just going to sit back and I'm just going to become. No, it's going to be work. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be renewing the mind. It's going to be, my brain is already wired to believe this and it's become a habit. I'm an autopilot. But now I'm introducing to my brain, we can do this. We are more than enough. We're possible. That's not the narratives that my brain believed, you know, always. You so just flipped the word ego on its head because so many people often from religious backgrounds think false humility is mm. really the way. And that ego is thinking too highly of yourself when actually when you know your own worth, mm -hmm. that's not ego. Mm. that is being in alignment yes. with your true purpose, your core, yes. your inner being. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So every time that you don't live up to that inner being and who you're supposed to be, it's the ego trying to tell you, well, that person is not good enough. This person that you're being right now, that's the person, you know, that I choose to be, that I want to be. The e the ego is edging God out. Mm, I, you know, I your think Oprah said that once, and I love that. I go I go <laughs> yeah, to that it's all. That, yeah, it's the yeah, yeah, it's the edging God out. Yeah, it's the yeah. edging the divine in you out, because we're all perfect images in the mind of the divine, and anything that is below that, guess what? You're not leaving your it's full potential. You. Uh, yes. 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 Yeah. Wow. This is good. This is such a, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't know what to expect when talking to you, but I'm so glad that you are taking what you learned through your season of confronting mm. painful lies. Yes. And a life-threatening disease. And here mm -hmm. you are now able to help other people through your yes. work. Now, 
mind you, can I just say, Mubo is a speaker that you would want to have encouraging your next conference or group. Absolutely. <laughs> You're also a fashion designer. Yes. I've always, since I was a little girl, I've always been into fashion. I've always, always, you know, I remember when I lived back in England, my sister-in-law used to call me, oh, you, you just look like a model out of Vogue. <laughs> so I've always been intrigued. But then again, you know, um, after my divorce, you know, just in, like a month after my divorce, I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to, you know, because we're always trying to find something to, um, to do so that we don't confront the pain, you know, so I was like, oh, you know what? I love to do fashion, uh, fashion. So I would travel to New York and I would look at all these materials and all of that. And I actually, you know, I actually did a whole line and, um, you know, took pictures, got models, took pictures and wanted to sell it to Saks and all of these retail stores. But then again, you know, when your mind, when you have a cut, you know, that core on the line thought, that you've not dealt with and it's there no matter how you try to work around it deny it it will always come up at, at pivotal moments and I think the universe makes it so because you can't fake it you, you can't fake it Oh. I don't care the pinnacle of success that you gain. You cannot fake it because there will always be a demand for the real you. There will always be a demand for a real you. That demand comes from the inside of you. There will always be that demand that, you know what? I know that you're doing this and you're going to New York and you're doing this and you're doing that. That thing that you left on 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 uh, on chat, that cut, that core on the line thought, will always talk you out of your greatness because you've not identified it and you've not confronted it. And so I stopped. <laughs> I stopped it. I'm like, and, and yeah, came, I stopped. But see, here's what's so cool about it. It came back again. Oh, oh yes, because it couldn't a... put the cart before the horse. Exactly. You had to confront the issues in order. Yeah. It wasn't to say that you weren't going to be a successful fashion designer. Mm -hmm. It's just that, okay, so I have another story for you. People who watch me regularly know that I always have long, perfectly manicured fingernails. And today they <laughs> are missing. And your story is a perfect example of why, because I'm, I'm never without my nails. I like my mm. nails. They're a part mm -hmm. of me, right? And a few months ago, I noticed this little mark underneath one of my fingernails. And I was just like, well, just cover it up. Just mm. put another layer of acrylic on and put some good polish and you'll never you know, see it. And then and be on your way. <laughs> it got bigger and it got bigger. And this is really gross, folks, but I have this... Mm. Oh. This, this is so attractive, isn't it? Right. Mm, but mm. it proves your point that if you don't deal with something, it's only going to get worse. Yeah. And I yeah. had to take all of the nails off in order for this thing to heal. Yeah. So I can get back it. to doing which I really love, which is having yeah. beautiful manicured nails. But the facade. Mm. Why? Yes. Yeah. But the yeah. facade looks pretty. 
You know, oh, yes, it does. Like, oh, yeah, she's going to New York and she's starting a fashion line. Yeah, it, it looks good. Yes, it fed my ego for a minute. Yes, it did. But you know what? I couldn't carry on. I didn't stop intentionally, but, um, you know, it was um, life stopped me because life demanded more. You know, it was the gift was mine. It was mine. It was never going to go away. But there had to be some work that needed to be done or else I would stop. I would start. And then, you know, the cut, my mind, this, you know, would always pull me back. It will always be like taking 20 steps forward. And then when you hit a dead end or a crossroad, you will take like 40 steps backwards because you haven't dealt with the core and the root of the matter, you know. And the root for me was, you know what? I am possible. The narratives that I believed about myself, they were lies. You know, I am enough. You know, I, I am a child of God. I'm a perfect image in the mind of God. I'm possible. These are the things that, you know, I I have, you know, and um, until I believed that opinions and um, challenges, past experiences, they don't define me. You know, they don't define me at all. You know, they, they, I look at them now as um, my process. You know, I said something about a couple of weeks ago, you know, my cleaner came into the house and, um, you know, before she left, I just had this hunt to just speak to her, you know, and it was in that moment that I realized and I said, you know what, I thank God for my pains because even though I, I go through the pain, the pain, the, you know, my process is not mine. And again, my process is mine. It's mine because I go through it. I walked through it. It's not mine because I can turn around and speak life into the life of another woman. You know, so that makes that process that I go through not mine. Yes, it's mine. But then again, it's not yours because you're going to come out of it. You know, when you go into a process, you're not you never remain the same when you come out of it. Because by the time you come out of it, you're stronger, you're wiser, you're a, a power-packed house with knowledge that you can turn around and pass on to somebody else who's going through where you started from. So I'm, 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 I'm grateful. You know, that's, for me, gratitude is, is my lifeline. Even though back then when I was going through it, there was not, I didn't see anything to be thankful for. I'm like, no. You know what? I could have just been in my marriage, suppressed, and the, you know, yeah, I was unhappy, but yeah. But then there was more. Life demanded more, you know. And you know so, why life demanded more? Because in your core of who you are, you wanted more. Yes. You would have never asked for the way it came. Mm, exactly. <laughs> yes and because you are more mm. and continuing to become as you said so beautifully so many people will be encouraged and helped yes. i'm encouraged yes. by our conversation and so in closing talk to a woman out there maybe who has faced a severe diagnosis a life-threatening mm. diagnosis or who whose marriage has ended and they would not mm. have chosen that. 
Mm-hmm. Or, and we didn't even get into the fact that you said that you survived homelessness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not having an education, you know, all the, the tsunami of pain. Mm. Mm. Someone out there is watching and they need some hope. What would you tell them? I would say to that woman, first of all, you're possible. You have to believe that with everything, every fiber in your being, that you're possible. And that sometimes, you know, life gives us this awakening because life knows that there's this gentle sleeping giant inside of you. And, you know, like Brenda, like you said, we just don't know how, you know, the process is going to come. But the process comes to each one of us in a unique way, you know, in life's way. And when that process comes to you, or maybe you're in that process right now, please don't judge it as, oh, my life is over. You can either see the cup half empty or half full. It, it, it all depends on your perception and what your mind tells you. And so I would tell you and I will encourage you that you're possible, that there's greater, greater, greater in you, greater that is bigger than the challenges that you're facing right now. But you have to believe, you have to believe in yourself and you have to believe that, you know what, these situations don't define me. I had to believe that that these situations don't define me, that it's a process and it's a passing through. And that by the time you pass through it and you come out on the other side, you're never the same. You're never the same. You are never the same. I'm not the same. I look at the woman about 10 years ago and I look at where I am now, not because of material accumulations or anything, but I just look at the substance of the woman that I've become and I'm becoming, and I'm thankful for my journey. I don't, I used to judge it now. Now I, I am grateful. And sometimes I say to myself, maybe I need to send a thank you card for those people that were used as an instrument to break me so that the real me, the real woman can arise. And the same thing goes for you. When you come out on the other side of this challenge, you will almost want to pinch yourself because you might not even be able to relate with that woman, with this woman that is going through right now, because your life never remains the same. What don't kill you, they always say makes you stronger. And this is not the end. Your challenges is not the end. It doesn't have to be the end. So you have a choice to make. You might be at a crossroad. You still have a choice to make. Are you going to lay down and die? Or are you going to take life on with those many challenges and say, you know what? I'm going to give it a second chance because there's always a second chance. You know, I, 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 I'm just going to drop this in here right now. I, I wrote a ebook just published an ebook about a week ago and it's called stolen moments and second chances you know and um for me that resonated so much because during the time that i went through the mountains you know and the valleys of my life those were stolen moments you know 
But in the midst of the stolen moments, I got my second chances. How and can um, people get that ebook? I know everybody's saying, "Okay, well, I need some of that." Can I? Where do I get that? How so do the find e you? Yeah. So the ebook, you can um, get my ebook um, through my um, Instagram handle. Uh, it's Mubal underscore Ojo. So that will land you right into my um, Instagram handle and you just click on my profile. There's a link tree there. You can download a free copy, you know. So I just, there's an excerpt in the book that I made um, available for free download. So you can download that. And it just talks about your compelling why and why it's important for you to have a compelling why while you go through this process. Fantastic. I have considered it a joy and a privilege to get oh, to know you and pleasure. to share your story with you. my listeners. Thank Truly you. a story of rising up from the ashes and a person who on the other side of the pain continues to find her purpose and makes an mm. impact. Thank you, Mubo Ojo. Brenda, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just totally amazing. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I really, really, truly appreciate it. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. And thank you for tuning into this episode of The Alchemy of Pain. If you know someone going through a difficult time, share Mubo's story with them. If you know someone whose story should be told, please share their information yeah, with me. Right. I would be honored to interview them. And I will also say this, if you are in that dark time, I don't believe in offering cliches or platitudes. We know it's hard. You don't have to do it alone. Reach out and get help because there are people that will link arms with you, professionals and people who are just friends, people in your world who care. You are not alone. Please know that and take care. Have a good day, everybody.